Now I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. In your pew Bibles, that's uh, page 1874. Page 1874. The last time we looked at Daniel, we read the first part of this chapter. It was a prayer of confession, confession of sin that Daniel makes for himself and for his people, and asking God to restore his people, um, restore his sanctuary, bring his people home. And um, we're going to pick up with those next verses. We're just going to read verses 20 to 24 this evening. Daniel chapter 9. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for His holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, the New York Post had a little article this week about the late John Madden. Some of us remember John Madden as a football coach. Some of us remember him as a broadcaster. But there's an entire generation that know him only as the name on the video game. John Madden football. It was developed by EA Sports way back in 1988. It was made for Apple II computers. And initial success was modest. In fact, the company founder went to John Madden shortly after it came out, and he told Madden that he could have as much stock as he wanted. Madden was curious. He wanted to know what have meant. So the founder of the company said, well, you have to buy it. You have to buy the stock. It's like $7.50 a share. Madden wanted no part of it. He said, I pointed my finger all-knowing and I said, I gave you my time, I'm not giving you my money. I showed him. World sales of the Madden games since then have topped $4 billion. Dumbest thing I ever did in my life, said Madden. Every one of us probably knows a story or two just like that. If we only knew the future... But we don't. And so we have all sorts of regrets. If we only knew the future, right? The thing is that, at least for us Christians, we actually do know the future. We say it whenever we profess the Apostles' Creed together. And from there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. 
He will come to judge the living and the dead. We do know the future. Jesus is coming again. And when He does, He will bring His kingdom with Him in tow. And so for us, the question is not so much what, but when. Or to put it more biblically, how long? We've heard those words a couple of times already in the Psalms, in our text. How long, O Lord, how long must we wait? Here in Daniel 9, we actually seem to get some form of an answer to that question. Verse 24, Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, agreed, most of that is about the what, right? That's the what that we are all waiting for. That's the kingdom of God that our God and our Lord Jesus Christ have told us is coming. No more transgression, no more sin, wickedness atoned for, everlasting righteousness. That's the what. That's what God has in store for us. But when? When will it all happen? How long will it take? Seventy-sevens. Does that help you? Why God didn't just say, it'll happen in the year 2025, I'm not sure. But He didn't. And so people like you and like me have been trying to do the math on our own. Trying to figure out the 77s. 77s of days, 490 days, well that doesn't really fit. The kingdom didn't come 490 days after Israel made it back to Jerusalem. 77 or 77s of years has been a more popular deduction among commentators. But 490 years really doesn't fit anything either. You've got to bend things and crush them and break them. It's like trying to jam too much stuff into a suitcase and then zipping it all up. It just doesn't work very well. And so we're stuck with the question, how long, O Lord? How long? Numbers are funny things when you take them so literally. Let me give you an example. The Wall Street Journal ran an article before Christmas about professional ham sniffers. Ham sniffers in Spain. I didn't know there was such a profession as ham sniffing. Now you children who are here tonight have something you can aspire to. Apparently these ham sniffers can tell when a ham is perfectly smoked just by sniffing the ham. There's a lot of rabbit trails we could go down here, and I'd love to travel them with you someday, but not tonight. What caught my interest about that article were the numbers that they used. The article said that during the low season, which is in February, the chief ham sniffer, Mr. Vega, will sniff about 200 hams a day. 200 hams a day. 
But at the climax of demand, which is shortly before Christmas, he's whiffing about 800, 800 hams a day. He is strained, he said, at the limit of human possibility. 800 is the limit of human possibility. At the same time, when he was asked, well, what if demand increases, he responded, I will find a way to sniff 801. Perhaps 802 is possible. Now, I have no doubt that sniffing 800 hams is some kind of limit. But it got me to thinking about numbers and about Jesus. You remember what Jesus um, said to the apostle Peter one time? Peter came to Jesus and he was asking about forgiveness. And he said, Lord, how many times must I forgive when someone sins against me? Up to seven times? And you probably remember what Jesus answered, right? He said, not seven times, Peter, but seventy times seven times. Now, when Jesus uses that number, do you think he's telling Peter that he's capping forgiveness at 490? Was he saying that, you know, 491 is simply unreasonable? It's pushing things way too far, Peter. If it gets to 491, no way. Cut him off. No forgiveness. Or was Jesus saying something more like this? Peter, you must forgive as often as it takes. Seventy times seven. As often as it takes. And it's interesting that Jesus chose that particular number, 70 times 7. When Daniel was praying in Daniel 9, we talked about this before, he had that prophecy of Jeremiah in the back of his mind. In 70 years, God will restore you to your land. In 70 years. Is that when the kingdom will come, Lord? When you finally take us back to our land, is that when the kingdom will come? Is that when you will put an end to sin? Is that when you will restore our hearts? You will take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh? Is that when you will give us a deep, deep desire for your commands instead of a repulsion for them? Is that, Lord, when everything is going to change in 70 years when you take us back? No, Daniel. Not 70 years, 70 times 7. In other words, how long, Lord, how long must we wait? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. What's Daniel being told here? Friends, he's being told something that all of us need to hear. There is no such thing as a quick fix to sin. Not even for God. There is no such thing as a quick fix for sin. And so be patient. Be patient. We don't have much patience for anything anymore, do we? We expect everything to ha happen instantly. Remember when they came out, or Amazon came out with 
Amazon Prime, two-day shipping. Anything you could want in two days. It wasn't fast enough. So then they came out with one-day shipping. And then they came out with same-day shipping. And now they're shooting for four hours or less. We want everything now. This is pretty much the way our society has faced this pandemic that we're in. We can't understand why it's not over by now. I mean, it should be over. It should have been over last year. In fact, it, it should have never happened at all. It's very inconvenient for us. And it's amazing how we sometimes have that very same attitude about sin. We can't believe it's still around. We want instant sanctification. We want it for ourselves. We want it for our children. We want it for our spouses. We want it for our churches. And if we don't get it, what do we do? Do we give up? Do we quit trying? Do we say, well, sin, it's not a big deal anyway? Or do we run to Jesus? Friends, the lesson of Daniel 9 that often gets lost in all of our number calculations as I said, is there's no quick fix for sin. Sin is serious business. Sin is destructive. It hurts ourselves, it hurts others. Sin winds its ugly tentacles through us and it refuses to let go. But there is an answer. And it took everything that God had. All of His mercy, all of His love, all of His power, all of His life. It took Jesus 77s as much as it takes. much as it takes. That's what God did. So as we approach this new year, I'd like to do it recalling that Jesus did as much as it took. And we're going to take that same approach, I hope, to sin ourselves. Forget quick fixes. We're going to do what it takes. We're going to use the graces that God gives us, that Jesus gives us to do that. Long view graces. They're sometimes called disciplines. Graces like the study of God's Word and prayer and service and communal worship and the sacraments, all of the things that the Holy Spirit promised us we would need 
to abide in Jesus and to be cleansed from sin. They're the tools, the graces that He has provided that we so often ignore because they're not fast enough. But that's where we're headed. And that's where we're going to start right now with the sacrament. No quick and easy, but slow and steady. Bread and wine, food and drink to nourish our souls, to give us strength, to persevere as we wait for the 77s to bring us home. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord God, give us patience. Help us to realize that you are at work. Forgive us for minimizing sin, for thinking it should be easily dealt with, the snap of your fingers. All wise and knowing God, good and great God, you saw it fitting and perhaps the only way to deal with sin was through the incarnation, the life and suffering, the death and resurrection of your very own Son. Work in us through your Holy Spirit this new life that Jesus has planted within us. Nourish those seeds. Lord, may we as your people not look for that easy way of overcoming sin, but may we run to Jesus and rely on all the gifts of grace that you have given us. And may that start this evening. May it start now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come to the table of our Lord. Um, I believe the service will be on the screens behind me. Let's read responsively. It's also in your bulletins. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Praise be to you, O Christ. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and sit at table in the kingdom of God. When our risen Lord was at table with His disciples, He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. This is the Lord's table 
Our Savior invites those who trust Him to share the feast that He has prepared. So now, following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this cup, the ordinary things of the world which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. And as He said a prayer before sharing, let us do so too. Let us pray. In Your love and mercy, O God, grant us Your Spirit, so that through these gifts of bread and wine, we may be united more fully with Christ and with each other. Lift our hearts so that in all the troubles and sorrows of this life, we may continue in hope for the new life of Your eternal kingdom. Amen.